grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 11, towards the end, it says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You may be seated. So as Pastor Brandt mentioned by way of our morning uh, introduction and welcome, uh, we're wrapping up our Lenten series, God Still Loves the World. And today I get to talk about the resurrection hope that we have. But I have to admit, when I see a phrase like the one that you see on your, your screens, I'm tempted to respond with the question, really? God still loves the world, really? Well, yes, really. And today it's my joy and, and my privilege to remind us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that promise is a promise of the resurrection. And the resurrection is a reality. Yet there are times when I have questions on this side of paradise, especially when I see things taking place in the world that I just don't understand. And I've encountered questions from fellow Christians, good God-fearing questions, Christians that should have everything all together. They, they wonder what God's up to. And the truth is, when we, when we talk, you, you almost wrestle with this sense of disappointment that God somehow let us down. You turn on the news the last couple of days, yeah, and, and you, you see what's happening in the world, and you're like, boy, I just, I'm just going to shut it off. It's just sad. Right. There's a lot of things that you, that you see on the news, and, and you start to wonder, what is going on? Big things. Did you know that ISIS is at it again? This time with laptop computers trying to smuggle them onto an airplane filled with explosives. So now our world's going to change there also. Where did you hear about the choir in Texas? Traveling home from a retreat, doing God's work. A young man, 20 years old, allegedly texting while driving, driving erratically. They plow into each other. 13 choir members lose their lives. What is going on? Violence, big stuff. What about the little stuff? What about the, when you bring it a little closer to home? Right? People will see a sign like this, God still loves the world. Well, does God still love me? And really what they're asking that question is, they're asking the question, does God see me in all that I'm going through? Does God see what's going on? I'm hurting. There's real pain. That's what people will say. Some people are supposed to have it all together, and this lady that you see on the screen, is her name is Ruth Graham. She's the daughter of the Reverend Billy Graham, and the great evangelist brought thousands of people to faith through the Promise Keepers Ministries and, and a whole host of things that he's done. So you would think this woman, with a dad as a pastor, uh, an effective one at that, uh, would have it all together. And yet she writes a book, and, and you'll see in, in your sermon outline, and, and I'd like you to pull that out on page two of your worship guide. 
There's a couple blanks. I'd like you to fill in the blanks. In every pew sits a blank blank. In every pew sits a broken heart. And the reason why I want you to write that in is because that may be you, or it may be someone sitting right next to you that is hurting and could really use the hope and love of the resurrection in Jesus Christ. Here's a little snippet of the opening pages of her writing. She says, I know what it's like to sit in a pew with a broken heart. For years I sat in church with my fears and doubts and disappointments, thinking I was alone in my condition. Those around me seemed to have it all together. Did they not struggle as I did? Here's something that's interesting. To protect myself and fit in, I masked my shortcomings and dare not whisper my failures. I worked hard to create the impression that my life was neat and orderly. My brothers and sisters, is that you? Are you masking your pain? Is life and something going on in your life causing you great distress? Are you overwhelmed? You want to scream. You have to scream, but it's a silent scream because you're afraid of what people around you might think. You're afraid that you don't have it all together. You're afraid to let someone know your pain. And I've said this before, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to go it alone. In fact, isolated Christians are paralyzed Christians. So if that's you, seek out one of the ministries that we have. We have Stephen Ministry where confidential one-on-one conversation, people are trained to, to listen and to be there and to just point you back to the hope of Jesus Christ. Take advantage of that. Or the prayer ministry or one of your your pastors. Come and seek us out. And for those of us where things are going a little smoothly in our life right now, maybe the best thing that we can do as fellow Christians is provide a safe place for people to come and share where they don't have to have it all together. It's free of judgment. And we can remind them God still loves them anyway. You see, what is going on with the big stuff in the world and and all this hardship that we see and the distress and the pain and the real pain is a real problem. And that real problem that we face is death. Oh, death death is harsh. We live in a culture that lives in in denial of it until it hits you like a ton of bricks. But death is a reality. It's a reality for every one of us, and it does not discriminate, as you saw in the news with the church choir. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your, your race. It doesn't matter your family origin. It doesn't matter your responsibilities or all those that you're having to depend on you. Death could care less. your physical condition, your faith walk. Death still doesn't care. Our Romans passage talks a little bit about it. Verse 12, it says, death comes to all men or all humankind. And in verse 14, it says, death reigns. Well, well, why does death reign? Back up a little bit in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, 
In this way, death came to all men because all sinned. You see, the real problem that all of us deal with, the, the cause for all this destruction that we see in the world is sin. Sin is the ultimate cause of death, and it is the problem that we have, and we cannot fix it. But the Romans passage doesn't leave us helpless. You see, it talks about how when Adam sinned, it was kind of like he opened up a package of spiritual anthrax and destroyed all of creation. He marred God's creation. It's not the way it was ever meant to be. But then it points to Jesus, and it gives us a new hope, a new perspective, and a new reality, even in the midst of the challenges we face. And so we're going to reflect on that for just a little bit as we hear Jesus' power over death. I don't think it's too big of a leap to suggest that Mary and Martha were disappointed that Jesus didn't get there on time when their brother was sick. They may have felt that they let him, he let them down. Actually, when you look at the text and the way the, the conversation kind of goes, you, you wonder their version of what's taking place and what Jesus knows is taking place. You see, Martha hears Jesus is coming, and so she runs out to meet him. And when she gets there, she says, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus, at some point, says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, I do. And then she goes and gets her sister. You remember Mary, right? The, the story of Martha and, and Mary, a few chapters back in, in Scripture. Martha's the one that's running around frantic. She goes to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister's sitting on her duff? That's my version. But Mary is the one that, she seems to have it all together. She sits there with Jesus and his presence and she just soaks it all in. Oh, yeah. Until tragedy strikes and she has questions. And she shows she doesn't have it all together either. She hears the teacher wants to see her. So she goes out to meet him and when she gets there, she falls on her feet. She doesn't have it all together and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Two sisters, same question, same perception. You see, to them, when someone dies, dead is dead. There's no fixing it. You can't come back from that. Jesus, you could have intervened, but you didn't. What is Jesus up to? You and I, we know, because if you had looked back at John, the first part of John chapter 11, you realize that Jesus had been given word that Lazarus was sick, and he says, this illness is not going to lead to death, it's going to be to the glory of God. And so he waits, he waits intentionally until Lazarus is in the tomb. Then he goes to minister and, and to show God's glory and to be with those that are hurting. Yet in scripture, in verse 35, it says Jesus wept. Why is it that Jesus weeps? You see, the Jews that are with him at the time, they think, oh, Jesus, he's like one of us. He cares an awful lot about this guy, Lazarus. He's dead, he lost his friend, and so he's hurting, and so he cries. Well, that's not why Jesus is weeping. Because Jesus isn't even at the tomb when he cries. 
He's with Mary and Martha and a handful of people that had traveled with them from the house. And what he sees moves him deeply. Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Verse 35, Jesus weeps. He sees the state of the world. He knows Lazarus is going to be fine. He's going to be raising him from the dead. There's going to be joy in a celebration. He knows it's going to be taking place, yet he cries because he sees the state of the world. He sees that sin has caused hurt. Death has come and struck again. And the people that are before him are powerless to fix it. But he can. He's deeply moved. He weeps. He knows in a couple months what's coming. He's going to fulfill his mission. He's going to do it on a cross. And there's a banner over here that is a Good Friday message. It says, it is finished. Basically what Jesus is saying when he's hanging on that cross, it is finished. He's saying, I have fixed this. He looks out at the crowd that's before him there and he says, I fixed this. Into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. Creation restored. Death can no longer have power over us. You see, the account of Lazarus being raised from the dead is something that gives hope. Jesus has the real perspective, the reality. And it's a beautiful thing for each and every single one of us. Jesus raises Lazarus to show that he has the power over death and the grave. And you and I, we have that same promise, a very real promise that Jesus points us towards in the words of John when John wrote in Revelation chapter 21, look at the hope that we have when we get to see heaven as it is. From Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. My brothers and sisters in Christ, each of us have pain and hurts, and sometimes, yes, we feel lonely. Other times we feel distressed. There are members of our congregation that are facing personal battles like facing biopsies or surgeries or many other pains. But we know beyond a shadow of a doubt with a resurrection hope that we get to look forward to that we are never alone. Jesus is with us. He's with you. Jesus sees you. Jesus walks with you. Like Pastor Brandt mentioned at the beginning of this worship service, this is the fifth Sunday in Lent. It's a little celebration of the Easter celebration that we get to have in two weeks. It's a foretaste. We get to live in anticipation of the resurrection. Lazarus was raised from the dead. You and I will be raised from the dead. God will resurrect the world. And all who believe in him have that promise of everlasting life. Jesus knows what's coming. He took care of it. He sees you and he sees me. He's promised to resurrect the world and all who believe in him. Why? You can see it on the screens and you can say it with me. 
Together, God still loves the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.